0: Hello, I'm Brittany Martin, head of Global Industrial Treasury Sales for Bank of America, and you're listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. As organizations grow, there are greater volumes of transactions and flows alongside an increased focus on scale, efficiency, and control. And with more transaction volume comes more data, which begs the question on whether Treasury is operationally prepared to interpret and act on the results. In this podcast, we'll discuss how on behalf of structures, or OBO, for short, help address these challenges, driving further automation and operational efficiency for Treasury. I'm delighted to be joined by Jeff Holy, Vice President and Treasurer of Westlake Chemical, and Bruce Muley, Treasury Advisory Executive at Bank of America. Welcome, Jeff and Bruce.
1: Hi, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Hello, Brittany. Thank you for inviting me.
0: All right, well, let's dive in. And I think maybe best to start with the basics. What are OBO structures? And what are the key benefits that they offer? I'd like to hear from both of you, but Jeff, maybe we can start with you.
1: Good place to start. So very simplistically on behalf of structures is aggregating and centralizing payment and receipt activity that otherwise would occur in the bank accounts of many different business units or legal entities. Into a single bank account or at least a very few. In an on behalf of structure, you have a single entity making payments or collecting receipts on behalf of many group companies through a single bank account, usually by currency. The on behalf of activity is then booked internally through intercompany accounting, with the actual entity's payments or collection being identified through system information or the remittance information, enabling the intercompany accounting and reconciliation of that on behalf of activity.
0: Very helpful. Thanks. Bruce, anything you'd like to add, particularly as it relates to some of the benefits?
2: Jeff did a great job of defining the basic benefits there. Maybe I would just add that on behalf of really is about the ownership of cash being put into a centralized operational structure and that operational structure performing activities on behalf of participating entities within the structure. Jeff mentioned payments both made and received, but if you think about it, liquidity, if you have a physical cash concentration structure, also is a form of an on behalf of structure. Anything essentially that creates that intercompany position is where another entity is performing something on behalf of participating entity. And just around maybe on the benefits, most of the corporates that I talk to, the primary benefit initially is around control. Most corporates will look to centralized liquidity across perhaps in, in different regions in the US, within Europe. And once they have that centralized, is to standardize the process and then apply those standard processes using a group of people who know specifically what they are doing. So they become very skilled in that exercise. You move on from control as being the primary objective, then corporates start to think around cost efficiency. And then obviously they then start to move on to things such as operational capability, where they have the ability to manage those processes more forensically and adapt those processes to external events, or perhaps to optimize those processes within the organization.
1: I was going to say that those are great points. One thing I would add from a corporate perspective that we found is fully agree with what you said, that standardization and having a single process and control in place is significant benefit to the structure. One thing we found kind of taking that a step further is that you also look at that centralized, standardized process. You can drive enhanced benefits as you look at further adding to that because you're now down to a centralized function. One example I might give is that if you have a non on behalf of structure where you've got a lot of different processes, a lot of different accounts, adding something like robotics or AI may be too time consuming or not value added enough given a smaller application. Whereas once you get that into a single process, you get a lot more bang for your buck as you look at some of those more automated solutions or really leveraging current technology that's out there. So that's one of the things that we're really getting excited about now, looking at the more standardized and centralized process we do have from the OBO structure is looking to take that a step further and start implementing some of these more advanced technological benefits that we can drive that out of. And then I might just add from a corporate perspective, centralizing activity. Certainly, you reduce the number of bank accounts you have. That gets you better access to liquidity, reduces the potential of cash getting left in multiple accounts where you can't fully access it. And as you mentioned, it gives you more control over that cash. So whether it's controlling AR, AP, having better visibility into that from a forecasting perspective, or just being able to aggregate it better so you can invest it more centrally and get better return. Those are all some of the benefits that we've found from a corporate perspective, in addition to the very straightforward lower fees, lower number of bank accounts, those types of things.
0: Thank you, Jeff. You're in a position now to take your structure to the next level, Jeff. So if companies are considering implementing OBO structures, What are the most important things that they should keep in mind? Jeff, what is your experience then?
1: It's a great question. I think from having implemented it here and going through the process, I'd say maybe foremost from a corporate perspective is to discuss it across all the functional groups that will be impacted, to both understand any of the concerns or challenges they may have, how to best fit that on behalf of structure into those respective groups. And, of course, along with that, technology is a very important component of that because, as you mentioned, the OBO structure does increase the number of intercompany transactions that need to be tracked and reconciled internally. Both your ERP system or a treasury management system should have the capability to help automate a lot of that reconciliation and tracking but it's certainly going to really increase the number of those intercompany transactions. So really having a good understanding of how you're gonna do that from a technology standpoint is very important. And then, as I mentioned, discussing it with those impacted groups like accounting, IT, credit, tax, et cetera, is really important both to understand how you may need to design the OBO structure to fit some of their concerns, as well as frankly, to get the buy-in of the benefits of the structure Because a lot of those groups are going to have to do some work to help implement the structure. And so having them understand why it's beneficial to the broader organization and many times their own respective areas as well really helps get that buy-in to get more excitement and interest in pursuing the project. And one example I might just give to help give a little bit more color to maybe some of the ways that you fit in existing processes with some of those functional groups In speaking through our credit group and some of their current activities, we found that it made sense to not move to a single receipt on behalf of account, but do it between two accounts because we currently have our credit function split between our two business segments. And so for them, it led to a better process to actually have two receipt on behalf of or robo-accounts. So, they could continue to maintain their existing structure of having one group looking at our performance and central materials segment receipts, and one group looking at our building product receipts, and having those separated by accounts. And obviously, if you just go in with the mindset of one account is the best answer to Treasury, you can wind up negatively impacting how some of those other groups are going about their work. I think one of the biggest learnings we found was just making sure to include. Everyone in the organization and get a good understanding of their needs and considerations with the OBO structure as well.
0: Really important point. Bruce, would love to hear your views.
1: One thing, maybe I'd add, is around
2: looking very carefully around your systems and processes and how you want to have the OBO entity or what system you want the OBO entity to use as its core system for. Accounting and have the OBO entity for its core system of record, but then also what other in-scope activities that OBO entity can then add on to what previously was being done? This may be around more of a payment factory concept, where uh, the payment factory is screening payments, it's consolidating payments, it's taking care of the FX. All of those additional activities which you can then start to add into that OBO entity. So maybe start out small. As I said, most OBO structures start with liquidity and then perhaps look to move into where you can. There are some geographical constraints around this where you can implement an OBO structure more easily and then look to add and increase the scope of that OBO entity as you move along.
0: To go a little bit deeper on around treasury technology, which is a critical factor in effectively managing an OBO structure, can you talk a little bit further about just Jeff- your own experience, how Westlake did it, and then would love to hear from you, Bruce, about how other clients do it, because I think some clients who have more complicated tech infrastructure may find it challenging to implement this kind of structure.
1: Of course, Brittany. So as as Bruce mentioned, the increase in intercompany accounting, I think, is a big aspect of the underlying technology component For us in the U.S., we were able to utilize our existing ERP system, which is either SAP or JD Edwards, depending upon the business segment, to track that intercompany activity in an automated fashion. And so that was an important component. I would highlight that in Europe, we have a TMS system, and due to a legacy acquisition, And there we're utilizing the TMS to do some of that tracking instead of the ERP. So I think that's probably useful for some corporates to think of is that it's not an either or solution necessarily between whether you have a TMS or not. A lot of times your existing enterprise risk management system can accomplish what you need to from an underlying technology standpoint, but you can also leverage TMS systems to do some of that intercompany reconciliation and tracking as well. The other probably more value-added component beyond just some blocking and tackling technology component is, as I mentioned earlier, that the OBO structure through consolidating and centralizing the activity does give you a lot more bang for your buck and having an efficient way to bolt on complementary technology because you do now have An existing process that's a lot more centralized and standardized, and typically with a lot more scale, given the number of increased transactions that you've moved into a more centralized area. One example I'd give, and we're looking at this actively with Bank of America currently, is adding on some of the machine learning and automated AR technology that's out there with our collection function. So looking at bolting on technology that allows us to automatically apply receipts to our cash collection activity and using a platform that has the machine learning capability to learn from any of the reconciling items that can't be done automatically and increase the efficiency over time. I think that's really a big advantage of the centralized benefit you get from moving to an Oboe structure is by the increased scale, it allows you to apply technology a lot more efficiently and get greater benefits because you do have that in a more of a single platform that you can then bolt on that technology and see more of those benefits and savings.
0: Thank you, Jeff. Bruce? I
1: think Jeff made a really excellent point and demonstrated how
2: it's not one solution fits all. Where he mentioned that in one part of his business, he's actually using the TMS to manage the OBO structure or to manage parts of that process, not necessarily the standard model which might be applied elsewhere within the globe. Whenever we talk to corporates, it really does depend on the complexity of their setup, how many geographies they work with, how many ERPs they are working with, their MA activity, are they having new? complications or complexity of new processes coming in which they're onboarding and integrating all the time. I often get asked the question, is there a TMS that should manage it as the ERP? And it really goes back to, you have to design it with the process in mind and the best structure of systems to meet that. Jeff mentioned about what I call best of breed or alt ons Given that you do have a central structure and you have standardized processes, and fintech groups throughout and banks as well have started to develop and put into the market specific applications which handle parts of that process and that could be around the intercompany tracking it could be around transfer pricing at a more detailed level than you'd be used to could be around reconciliation of receivables could be looking at intraday or on-time data getting data on demand the other point, data is the key to a lot of all of this. The ability to change your accounting means you need the data to be able to have that where those three parties are involved, for instance, and how that accounting then should track back into the GL and or subledger. Whenever you go through this, it's really following how data moves throughout your processes and what systems are doing with that so that you can provide that concept or that standardization of that process, even though you may be using different systems or there may be a slightly different design and application within a region.
0: Thanks. And that's actually a really good lead-in to my next question. So while OBO is applied directly to a payment process or a collection process, the impact of OBO structures is much broader, particularly as it relates to liquidity. And both of you I think, positioned it as an enabler for creating additional value. Jeff, can you elaborate on how establishing an OBO structure has affected liquidity management for Westlake and then any additional effects that's had?
1: Brittany, I think it's a great question around some of those impacts and benefits to liquidity. Bruce mentioned in his prior response about acquisitions, and I think that's a great area to start off with with some of the operational benefit Westlake has grown a lot over time by acquisition, as certainly we grow both organically, but also inorganically. And so having that OBO structure where you have a very centralized and standardized process in place really makes a more scalable process for when you do acquire an operation or a company, it becomes a lot more easy to integrate that activity into your existing OBO structure because you already have that centralized process in place. One thing we've found is with some of the recent acquisitions, it's really created a much easier and scalable process to integrate those entities in. And that's great from an acquisition standpoint because you're more quickly getting the benefits of the liquidity and cash that entities generating. You're more quickly able to close down some of the legacy accounts that existed that you may not have as good a visibility or control over. I really think that scalability that comes from that centralized OBO structure, particularly in the situation of acquisitions, is a really significant benefit. And obviously, that gives you access to that entity's cash and liquidity and cash flow more quickly as well. Giving you those liquidity benefits, I would say maybe more broadly beyond just the situation of an acquisition. Obviously, by reducing the number of accounts by moving to an OBO structure, you end up with fewer accounts where it's easier to view, control, and access the cash you do have. And while other structures, which are certainly complementary or relevant, with an OBO structure as well, like ZBAs or pooling structures and already accomplished some of those benefits, the OBO structure with a centralization of activity either gives you or enhances that level of control and visibility you do have to that existing cash within the organization. And through that, it also gives you better visibility into the forecasting of that cash flow going forward, given you have a more centralized repository for all of that activity. I might also mention that by giving you that greater level of control centrally, you also then have a more direct way to manage, say, the application of receipt activity or the payment activity on the AP side. Obviously, that also then gives you more control over the day-to-day working capital and liquidity of the organization as well. So to succinctly sum up all of those items, I think certainly a lot of important benefits from the overall corporate liquidity perspective as you move to those more OBO oriented structures.
0: Thank you. Well, we've covered a lot of ground, thanks to the great experience and expertise you both bring to the table. As we wrap up, it would be helpful to hear any final pieces of advice or best practices you'd recommend to companies looking to implement OBO and get, to use your words, just the most bang for their buck.
1: That's certainly a focus of ours at Westlake is certainly to look at generating as much bang for your buck and value as we can. So I think probably not a whole lot to really add beyond what we've already talked about. I think maybe just to reiterate what some of the really important points are, Bruce and I both mentioned it. I think just involving all stakeholders up front and working through with the different groups, accounting, tax, IT, credit. AP, legal, just to get that both buy-in and understanding of how best to apply the OBO structure. I think for a corporate, that's probably the most critical aspect to just start off with that. I'd probably add a bit to that, and I think Bruce mentioned this already, that as with many projects, just starting with the end in mind when you're initiating the OBO structure we found very helpful at the beginning really mapped out where we wanted to end up in the process. And while moving through the implementation of our OBO structure involved multiple stages and getting to all the entities and adding some of the technology that we wanted to add with some of the bolt-ons, I think knowing where you want to end up and understanding all the benefits of getting there helps keep you on track And working through some of the issues that will invariably come up through any pretty involved project like moving to one of these structures is. Bruce and I have already spoken to these attributes, but just the benefit that the Obo structures give you, and having that centralized platform, and really leveraging that to drive some of those additional benefits in the future. M and A, it's a great. Platform because you have that more scalable structure to bolt on acquired entities and get the benefits of getting the cash in, getting the visibility, getting the control environment right. Having that centralized platform makes it easier to apply some of those value added technologies like robotics or AI through bolt ons into what is a more scalable process. And then even if you're going to move down the road later on to moving to a shared service function, even again, having centralized things, it gives you some of that optionality to do things more easily into the future that can drive those good bang for your buck type changes. So I think those are high level, the big attributes I'd point out that we found, at least within Westlake, to be really beneficial to moving to these on behalf of structures.
0: That's a great summary, Jeff. Thank you. Bruce, any closing comments from you?
2: Just very quickly, moving to an OBO structure, it's an opportunity for transformation, but it's not one and done. It's something that you do over a period of time. My key advice would be to know your flows, do the details, start small, but then go large. Just think of where you want to be in three to five years' time and aim towards that, but have that plan in front of people from year one all the way through to year five and continue to refer back to that educating stakeholders, demonstrating success, learning off your mistakes.
0: Thank you. Well, this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed the conversation with you both on how OBO structures can help optimize treasury. I'd like to thank our experts, Jeff Holy and Ruth Newley for your insights.
1: I really appreciate the time, Brittany, and Obviously, Bank of America has been a very important piece of our On Behalf of story, so appreciate all the work and help from you and your team through this process as well.
0: Thank you, Jeff. It's a partnership, and that's how we see it. So we're just happy to have been able to participate in the journey with you.
2: And thank you, Brittany. And Jeff, it's been a, a pleasure having a conversation with you. Really enjoyed it. Likewise.
0: I'm Brittany Martin, joined by Jeff Holey and Bruce Neely. Thank you for listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series.
1: Bank of America is the marketing name used by certain global banking and global markets businesses of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America NA member FDIC. Copyright 2023, Bank of America Corporation. All rights reserved.